This will be something of a bonus episode in a sense because the purpose of the podcast really is uh, for creatives to come in and me to talk about their process and obviously you've had your own podcast talking about yourself yes but we're not going to talk about like you or me or have some kind of very general conversation and just see where it ends up we have a bit of an agenda for what we want to talk about here Um, so to quickly put into uh, the framework of what we're going to be doing. Um, we've both switched our uh, camera setups over to Fuji. Myself from Canon and you went from Canon to Sony and now to Fuji. I did indeed. And we're just going to talk through kind of the reasons behind it, some of the stories about using this stuff, what we're going to miss, what we're not going to miss. Um, and then I'm going to plant the seed now, but I've got an idea for a camera that I'm pretty sure... <laughs> If Fuji would listen to me, they'd make a lot of money. <laughs> I think if Canon had listened to you, they'd have made a lot of money as it's, well. Well, they made a lot of money even without listening to me, just by me it's recommending true. You, stuff. It's true. You did sell a lot of their stuff. Um, so it's now been about a month and a half, I think, since the beginning of the the turnaround. Um, I came in as a Canon user. I've been a Canon user for seven years. Um, God, that's a long time. Yeah, and it's a lot of cameras as well, actually. It's quite scary when you start going through the amount of cameras that I've gone through. Yeah. Um, and so about seven years since I started, basically, yep. with Canon. Uh, was with Canon because my mum had had Canons when I was a kid, and that's just kind of what I knew. And I, I, one thing I want to clear up right off the bat is that I don't have any horrendous brand allegiances or I don't have some kind of weird bias towards one brand or the other i just want something to do what i want it to do and then fuck off <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> I what i'm not mean, gonna yeah. buy a polo shirt with fuji written on it i'm not okay before we even start let's just... <laughs> yeah let's clear it up <laughs> let, let me tell you something you don't know about because you stay so far away from the internet side of photography don't you i do because it's a it's kind of a horrible place to be <laughs> you have to be very sad i think um, and part of me is sad enough to be in there a bit, but there are depths. It's like Mariana's Trench. There are bits I haven't been to and I don't know what looks down You just kind of dip there. your toe and then you get back I out. I do. <laughs> um, and uh, a piece of vernacular that I've been informed is used by Fuji users is you don't say photograph. Apparently right. you say Fujigraph. Which, oh, God. Yeah. When the first time, because I, I put up a post on a photography forum talking about my switch and showing an image and they said that's a wonderful fuji graph and i thought okay that's one person like he might just be like his, his parents might have bought a computer or something <laughs> and it turns out that quite a few people use that term which is if you're out there and you're a fuji user and you're using the term fuji graph or you're using any brand to kind of replace part or all of a word. Um, just stop doing that. I'll be honest with you. Fujigraph doesn't sound anything like it's related to photographs. It sounds like it's a mathematical graph. Like you've got a pie chart, a bar chart. Oh, you mean like it's That's like a Japanese ca- yeah. stat. That's what it yeah. sounds like to me. That's so... Sh- yeah, it's Well, ridiculous. it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Now, having switched, um, there's a few really big teething issues for me. 
The first is... Wait, 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 wait. I think before you talk about your teething issues, I think I think I need to explain why. Like, why did you switch? Okay. What made you switch? Because um, I'll be honest with you, even living with you, you went from all Canon with my one Sony camera and my one Sony lens and then Fuji. Yeah. So it kind of came out, no, well, took about, kind of it out t- It took about three weeks for me to go from, might give that a go, to <laughs> I've sold all my stuff. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm looking at a table full of Fuji stuff. Yeah, okay, so the start of it, obviously, we went to San Francisco a few years ago and we, if I use the word we, I mean I. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, we went, we did go to San Francisco, but I made the decision that I was going to buy an X-T2. Yeah. And look at pairing it with the Canon stuff when we were both Canon shooters. Yeah. This was a lot less complicated at that point. (laughs) And the plan was... It wasn't to me, by the way. (laughs) Well, you weren't going to be using it, so you didn't care. (laughs) Um, So I bought the X-T2 and like most things in life, I test the waters by buying everything. And we went out to San Francisco. It was the worst holiday we've had yeah i can't imagine we're gonna have a worse one unless we go to south africa and get murdered or we decide to go to somalia and lick the sand on the beach or go to australia and go backpacking in a lorry i think it has to be pretty extreme for it to be worse yeah um and just to contextualize this let's just quickly run down the issues um Two different cab drivers tried to rip us off of a significant amount of money, one of which threatened us in Arabic, which you understood. Um, and he didn't realise you were going to understand it and then panicked. And Boom. We had uh, a hotel which was incredibly, incredibly bad. Um, a very, very major one. Is it Western? West? Western something. Yeah. On, is, in, is it Union Square? Yeah, it's in Union Square. Absolutely atrocious, horrible, disgusting hotel. And supposed to be like a top end. A fortune that cost me. It was terrible. Um, we had the whale watching where there was no whales until we got back. And we after, almost died. And we almost died from just hitting wave after wave at like 100 miles an hour for three hours there and then three hours back. It was fucking horrible. Um, when we tried to walk around the actual city there was a couple of occasions where you were approached as soon as i wasn't next to you you were approached by um generally just like i don't know 20 30 year old men yeah but like five or six at a time making really inappropriate disgusting comments we tried to go and get a subway and there was the woman shooting up in the doorway of subway um and heroin is always a a head turner on a on a holiday if you see heroin being used that tends to taint the view of the holiday it does indeed especially from my little innocent mind (laughs) yeah yeah i think that was your first experience with any hard drugs at all yeah um and then i got food poisoning from a really shite pizza place and spent three days incredibly ill one of which was in like 40 degrees in yosemite national park trying to hike while trying not to shit my kidneys out yeah um, and uh, weirdly, I had a memory about that today. Um, do you remember the, the jo- was it joggers or cyclists that scared the deer? I think it was joggers. It was joggers. And the deer ran towards me, but not like towards me, but like near In me. In the general direction. And I took a couple of pictures and that warden woman come out of nowhere and was like, you need to back off. Yeah. So I thought she was going to get a gun out, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, she was really pissed off. I was like, fuck me, I'm like trying not to shit myself and I have a chance of getting a picture of a deer. Go away. Yeah. I've done nothing <laughs> wrong. I couldn't chase this deer if I wanted to. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so San Francisco was terrible and we came back, uh, went through 
I went through the photos on the X-T2. Now, to use the X-T2 is amazing. You really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun to use as a camera. Uh, but I was just massively disappointed with the photos. Um, and I think over the last couple of years, what I think has happened is I've kind of realized something that you know I do far too often is I associate a bad experience with everything around that bad experience. Yeah. So if I have a problem with... I don't know if I'm late. Uh, me being late is like the worst one. If yeah. I'm late to something, I'm ruined for the day. Yeah. And I think that I'd associated the negativity of that holiday with the Fuji and therefore the pictures were never going to be good regardless of what I've taken them on. Yeah. So fast forward a couple of years and I've, I've had my head turned a couple of times. We picked up, and again, I mean, we as in I <laughs> picked up the X100F, which is the little fixed lens um fuji earlier this year and that was purchased God, as, i forgot we had that yeah well i buy a lot of cameras <laughs> you do <laughs> um and that was going to be quote unquote our dog camera and we took it oh, out basically yeah. just on dog walks didn't we and we got lots of pictures of oh we of, got yeah they're actually framed in, in yeah the, we got in some framed pictures from that it's a really nice camera to you you really enjoyed it yeah um really small i could just stick it in my coat pocket and stuff a really nice camera i had a couple of issues with it um but nothing particularly major um but absolutely loved it uh, and the image quality for the size of it and the convenience of it is brilliant. Um, and then sort of as this year's gone on, more and more I've had my head turned by photos I've seen and videos on YouTube made by people that use Fuji. And is that photos and videos that you've sought yourself or have they just popped no, up? No, they've just, they just crossed my path. And I've, I I'm tend to be someone who's very interested in the gear behind the photo because... Um, for more than thinking that, oh, if you buy that piece of gear, that's it, you'll be able to take that photo. It's more a case of, okay, you can get into the mindset of creating work like that if that's the piece of gear you're holding. Like, I, I think yeah. I think gear has more to do than just technical. It's A lot of it is about how it's used. And I think, like, since we've switched to Fuji, the smaller size of stuff um, we, has changed how we shoot. Yes, definitely. I agree there. I mean, like straight off the bat, I can tell you candids at a wedding. We are very different people now, the way we're shooting candids at a oh wedding. Oh my God, I'm never, I've never been so close to people in my life. You can tuck right in, you're chatting to yeah. them, you can be making a joke or you can be sort of having a conversation and photographing them and they just don't seem to care because it's a smaller camera, it's a lot less intrusive, it's a lot less intimidating. Yeah. But anyway, so as this, as this year had gone on, I'd seen more and more stuff that I'd like to look of and I do keep harping back to really enjoying the X-T2's use, the actual use of it was brilliant. It's not so much um, thinking about the images from it, but just thinking about the use. And a couple of things that maybe people don't know, I have a crippling issue with back pain. Like, I've for the last month, I've spent most of my time sleeping on the floor as opposed to sleeping in bed, purely because it just straightens my back out yeah. and, and it helps me... Um, be able to do some weddings there's been weddings where if i had have had as bad a back as i could have i wouldn't be surprised if i'd have struggled to i mean i'd have just painkillered it and got through the day but the next day i'd have been completely ruined well to be honest it's just enabled you to walk yeah there's been some days where i've been completely like an old man um and whilst i'm not a particularly big fan of the general argument about mirrorless cameras being great for weight saving i think with fuji and olympus in particular those are actually true yeah. Because they do sacrifice stuff to make the cameras smaller, to make the lenses smaller. Whereas, like, if you look at Canon's 
um, mirrorless range and Sony's lenses, they're fucking enormous. Yeah, they are. It's completely unbalanced. And the argument about, well, you know, you're you're saving so much weight and you're saving so much bag space, you're just not. You're just not. Um, and, and then you add in the price and everything as well, it gets a bit ridiculous. So I think people underestimate, though, how much the size and weight of lenses in the actual body of the camera itself, they underestimate the, the difference and how when you reduce that weight, the difference it makes to you as a person and how you... Think you, you without wanting to... I probably can get fucking hate mouth for this, but do you think as a woman... Yeah, it's nicer to have a like a smaller camera body, smaller lenses and stuff. Yeah, and because you're a slight woman, you're not you're not a power lifter. No, I'm not by any stretch. And you've you've used Canon DSLRs with grips and huge lenses in the past. Yeah, and I I know how much you struggled. Well, yeah, because one of the things we had a conversation about it a couple of years back, and you said to me, "Why don't you shoot more portrait orientations when you're yeah. at a wedding?" Yeah, and I said to you because I can't keep the camera steady and it just wobbles like I'm, you know, playing Call of Duty and I can't shoot a gun properly. I'm just circling round, and the reason for that is because I'm a woman because, you know, I have lady parts and I cannot when I have my hands. Right. So in a portrait, is logistically, difficult. it's very difficult to hold a relatively big camera with what the 100 mil, the 135 mil when I was doing candids or whatever and hold it and keep it steady at the same time. It doesn't matter whether it's got IS in it or not. It was mm. actually quite hard. So holding something landscape wise made more sense, but switching even the switch from the Canon to the Sony made such a difference because it was a smaller body. I wasn't having to use so much of my weight to hold the camera up. And now with Fuji, it's even lighter and because yeah. mainly because the lenses are so much smaller as well. well the, the I don't need to the, hold them the same way. The main problem with the setup now for mirrorless, the, the, the what would now be considered to sort of be the three leaders because of full frame would be Sony uh, head and shoulders above everybody. Yeah. And then I would say Panasonic Lumix because they've just released their first, I think their first full frame <laughs> mirrorless okay but then if you look at like the, the next two in line is canon and nikon and they're they are trailing you know they're they're in the race in the same way that the guy at the back in formula one is in the race at the moment they're just not <laughs> they're nowhere they're not near really at all they're just they're, they're um, just present they're almost being lapped by sony at this point um but one of the big problems is is because you have to make up for the comparative flange distance. I know that you're not a big technical speaker, but because you take the mirror out, mm. you reduce the size of the body. There is a huge gap in terms of magnification that needs to be sorted. Yeah. And with the so, for example, with your with your Sony, you had the Sigma MC11, the adapter. Yeah. And when you put a can that replaced the flange distance. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's primarily what that did. So it gapped enough space to make the lens work the same as it would on a mirrored body. It makes the whole thing unbalanced. It made the 85mm like a 70 to 200. Oh, it's just ridiculous. But but not even like a 70 to 200 because a 70 to 200 would be more balanced because the the way that the actual weight is set out in the lens is more spread out. Whereas because you have that adapter with no glass in it, yeah. you're, you've got weight at one end and then a gap with no weight as your pivot and then a tiny bit of weight at the back. So uh -huh. it's actually even worse. I think it makes balancing the camera... 
people can argue all day long. I think one of the problems is people take photography and, and they test stuff in a sterilized environment. Yeah. And good for them. If that gets them views and Squarespace will sponsor them and all that other bollocks, then good for them. But the problem is, is that when it's in a sterilized environment, you can bring up problems that only exist in a sterilized environment. But when you're in a ceremony where you can't move any further back because there's a 300-year-old radiator that is set to on even in summer and it's literally scolding your calves. You can't go any further back because there's a wall or you have to go over here and you have to be stood at a funny angle with a bad back and, you know, yeah. there is no option to sort of, I, oh, I'll i just leave it, I'll, I'll try it when it's easier. No, you have to get these photos. That's when you learn where the problems are with the camera. And I used the Sony for one ceremony way I don't even remember before you can even remember we had only just got it i used it for one ceremony and i hated it and that was pretty much the reason that without wanting to be mean here but i was like <laughs> that's jamila's camera yeah give that one to her oh no i thought oh no and now i vaguely remember because you thought you liked it and i was on the fence and then after that ceremony i was like this is dog shit uh, like not the camera itself but trying it to work use that the, the way it's balanced just didn't work for me at all. Um, and also, without wanting, you're going to you're gonna think I'm being funny here, but I'm not. Since I've put on weight, the balance issue, like you're talking about like logistically with like boobs. Yeah. Like since I've put on weight, not that I have boobs, but like logistically, some cameras are really fucking hard to hold steady. Yeah, they are. Um, when you're not, when you're not just stood in a studio or you're not just stood in a really sterilized environment, it actually can be a little bit frustrating. And I, I look back at some uh, photos that I've taken over the last few years and I'm like, Jesus Christ, was I really on that much of a Dutch angle? Did I think that looked cool? And it's like, no, I wasn't trying to do that. Yeah. Like I just literally could not hold that camera how I wanted to hold it. So as the year's gone on, obviously, like I say, I, I got my head turned a little bit. And there's a couple of, of YouTube videos about the X-T3, which didn't feel like they were paid for, which the majority of YouTube videos about cameras are paid for. So it's quite hard to make your mind up. And you have to almost learn. Um, you know, I used to say to you, reverse the compliment. When someone gives you a compliment, reverse it. Make what they've said bad and you can find out what they probably really meant. Yeah. If you're being cynical. Yeah. That's what you have to do with YouTube videos that are about cameras. So when you get someone who is clearly an endorsee of a brand and they'll say, oh, the amazing thing with, with the Olympus is it's like the perfect outdoor camera. That means it's shit in low light and you can't use it indoors. Yeah. Right? That's what it means. Yeah. They're, they're not saying the negative, they're implying the negative if you're cynical enough to look for it. Yeah. So after a lot of cynical videos and, and trying to understand where the actual balance was, the XT3 looked to be such a huge step up in the places that I wanted it to be a huge step up from the XT2 that I thought, I feel like I can now give this a go and it might be a fantastic second body comparatively in price with my 5d mark IV, and because of the size of the lenses and the cameras it wouldn't be that much of an addition to my camera bag in the same way that adding mm. another gripped 5d mark IV or a 1dx would be where it'd be so heavy that it, i think it would have required a third bag Oh, it would have been a third bag. Quite easy, doubt. wouldn't it? That was always the plan anyway. But it would have been a third bag that I would have to carry around. Yeah. So we got the X-T3 and the first thing that jumped out to me, I think from the first photo I took with it, 
it's a lot sharper than the X-T2. Whether that be just my experience with the old X-T2 would be a good argument. Unfortunately, I also picked up an X-T2 and I still found it comparatively sharper this time around. Yeah. The X-T3 is just a sharper camera. It's much punchier. Um, and because there's a there's a very old truth with photography, which is like, you know, if you have a full frame, it's better in low light. And that's that's not changed. My 5D Mark IV murders the Fujis in low light. It's daft. Yeah. But the gap is smaller than it's ever been. And it's now small enough that I don't consider it a big enough problem to care. Oh, that's good. I would get a better image in low light out of the Canon. I just don't think it's better enough. Or I don't think that, uh, like, a, um, I don't mean a layman as in a stupid person, but someone who's not qualified to look would even notice. So I'm yeah. I'm then making decisions based on imp what impressing other photographers or impressing myself in Lightroom. That seems daft to me. So once I'd picked up the X-T3 and I'd shot a couple of portrait sessions on it and I'd used it as like a secondary body. And what we did was we basically only brought it out when all the safe stuff was done. Yeah. We'll just add it in here. Let's just give this a trial run here and see how it works. Exactly. So mm. you had it with you when you do like the, um, what we call the lay flats with all of the bridal accessories and the shoes and whatnot. So you would do all of that stuff with a Sony and then I'd give you I'd the give XT3 you and that. you'd do a few extra. Yeah. And we did that for about five or six weddings. Um, Actually not, a really good way to... It's a great way to a, incorporate a camera. Yeah, to test it. It's a really, really good way because rather than buying a new camera and going, oh, I'll test it in, like you were saying earlier, a sterile environment where everything is controlled, test it in somewhere which, you know, you're going to, you would normally be using it because that's the best way to just throw yourself in at the deep end. Well, with you as well, what you were doing with me, with to me was you were giving me feedback on, I like this. And this is how it compares to the Sony. And it wasn't like generally, it was like in this exact example, because I have used both in this exact environment, mm. in this exact light for the same photos. Yeah. Here's how they compare. So that was really helpful for me to hear how you were finding it. Um, you obviously, um, you sort of turned the corner with it a little bit. You, I don't think you were particularly impressed when I decided to do the change to Fuji at all even when i picked it up as like a secondary body I no think. because i went oh, i don't know any of these lenses and it's all different and oh i'm gonna have to learn everything again right and most of the fuji stuff just looks the same yes when you're does. coming from canon where you know the differences because you've seen them for the last uh, i know almost, them in my sleep decade now it's like okay so i've got to learn all of this new stuff and also because it's crop all of the um focal lengths mean something different in my head yeah like just practically speaking that's the, that's the main thing i think yeah. um one thing that i find it's really refreshing to have you around for is that and you don't know you do this but you're a, you're a no bullshit um meter for photography because while people are coming up with loads and technical nonsense you have a very like can it work Will it piss me off? How <laughs> difficult is it to use? Fuck off! That, like <laughs> you have, a, you, you like I could sit there and 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 argue with you why something's a better system, but you're like, if it doesn't work for me, it's not. Yeah, that's true. And that's what's been really helpful. So because photography at the end of the day it should be easy. Okay, yeah. you can get really technical when you can get scientific with your histograms and your your, your Fuji 
graphs, graphs or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, that only matters to you and the other photography geeks out next to you, you know. Photography should just be about taking pictures. Yeah. And all of the talking should be secondary. Unfortunately, the talking makes up about 90% of it, <laughs> says the idiot that holds a photography podcast. <laughs> Um, so we get the X-T3 and, and I picked up a few lenses, sort of slowly incorporated them. Yeah. Um, and especially now, we are way ahead of where we were the last time we had Fuji stuff in terms of the amount of work that I've done, definitely the way that you work. Like, yeah. to me, in the last 18 months, you, you're, and I edit your work, so I feel like I'm in a good position to say, Yep. Your work has jumped like through so many walls and got so much better, which means that when you pick up a camera, you know what you want it to do at least. You might yeah. not know why you want it to do it in, in terms of like having an argument over micro contrast, but you know you want it to do a certain... <laughs> I don't certain, even know what that is. <laughs> right. But you know what you want it to do. Yeah. And again, you won't give me any bullshit. You won't like give me some comparative like nonsense to explain away a problem. You'll just say, this didn't work. I yeah. don't like this thing. Or I have an image in my head and I say to you, this is the image I want. Just tell me what the hell I need to make that work. Yeah. And and that makes things a lot easier for me. So um, we had the the 23mm f2, the 35mm f2, the 18mm f2, oh, and the 50mm f2 was the first little batch of lenses we had. Yeah. You never used the 50mm f2. It did not stick around long enough because I picked up the 56mm 1.2 later on. Yep. Um, but, but the 50mm f2, I have to say, is would be one of your favourite lenses. It's something I'm definitely thinking about putting in your bag now that you're with Fuji. Okay. Um, because it's a fantastically small, sharp lens and it's a really nice focal length. I think it's about 78 mil or something stupid. But Quite good for my ceremonies then. Yeah, I think so. Um, and the one thing with the Fujis is obviously they, they give you a bit of a fork in the road um, with the way that their lenses are set out, generally speaking, which is like, so if you take the 35 mil, for example... You've got the more modern F2, which is very fast focusing, but obviously hasn't got as wide an aperture as the 1.4. Yeah. The 1.4 is a bit louder in focusing. It's a little bit old school and it's a bit mechanical, I guess, is what I would say. It's not very internal. Yeah. But you get that extra stop of light. And I would say it's a tiny bit sharper for what I for the for the for the um the lenses that I had, the 3514 was sharper than the 35 F2. Yeah. So they give you that sort of fork in the road and you say, well, do I need the extra stop of light or do I need it to be quieter and smaller? Yeah. So it's quite nice that you get that because like with, with Canon, obviously we went over to the Sigma Arts because we had issues with the 35mm, the old one. I wasn't yeah. going to pay the money for the new one because the new one was... They were just extortionate. It's like, I think it's about 1,700 quid. For is, nothing that really... You couldn't justify spending that much money on it. Not not from a business point of view. I think if you have no. like a really well-paying job and you like photography and it kind of gets you out of the house and away from the wife or away from the husband and it gives you something to brag about to your friends, then I'm sure you can find a way to justify it. But from a business point of view, to give me a lens that I could buy three of, I could buy three Sigma Arts for the price of that one lens. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not, it's a no brainer. Yeah. It's a bit daft really. So we then pick up 
uh, to go through what we now have, I guess I'm going to do a what's in my bag for the YouTube video as much as I hate those fucking videos. <laughs> but as we go through it now, so uh, we have an XT3 each. Yes. You've you've decided, and I think it was a good move, that the XT3 was the one you were going to go with. It's sharp, it's fast, it's got all the settings you need. It's got a decent um, face detect, which we'll come back to because the Sony murders it. Um <laughs> We have an X-T3 each. I have an X-H1, which initially I thought would be your camera Yeah. when I ordered it. And my God, the price on these is so good. It really was, isn't it? Um, but there's a couple of issues that kind of took it away from being yours and put it back in my bag. The first is that it's a, a fair bit bigger, especially with the grip on. Well, it's like I was saying to you earlier, it actually looks quite uh, clunky. Yes. Quite uh, a bit extra to yeah. it. Even just looking at it from a, like a uh, bird's eye view, yeah. it looks like it's a... So it's squarer. Yeah. And like a, bit, a really old film camera. It's got extra it bits It looks like it. an 80s film camera. Yeah. The, the Fuji's look like an older... The, sorry, the X-T3's look like an older film camera. But yeah. in the 80s, they made stuff bigger for the sake of making it bigger. And that's kind of what the X-H1 looks like. Yeah. But I really like the size of the thing. Um, and the other thing which you didn't like the moment you touched it was the really soft shutter that you couldn't really tell if it was half pressed or fully pressed. And because we don't back button focus, you use the shutter button for the focus. That's a bit of a difficult one. You don't want to have like the premature ejaculation on taking photos as an issue at weddings, right? No, no, I don't. And then the last camera, which is the last one I picked up, was the X-Pro2. Which is um, a neat camera. It's a fun little camera. It's going to be one that... Uh, I'm going to take a trip to London this week. That's going to come with me. Um, it's going to be great for it's great for candidates at weddings because people just don't care. That is like that. That is uh, very much like the old film cameras yeah. or the old disposable cameras, mostly because the viewfinder is at the edge and not in the middle. Yeah. And every time I stick that camera to my face, I'm like I'm smacking my nose on that and not seeing anything because I'm like, oh, I need to shift the camera to my right. Yeah. So I can actually see. In your defense, you've used it about three times at weddings, but still, I know what you mean. Like, it's weird. To switch to a rangefinder out of nowhere is a bit unusual. Yeah. It's a cool camera, though. It's a lot of fun to use and it's just very subtle. Yeah. Um, no attention really paid. The uh, question that I've already been asked um, is about the X Pro 3. So, is that the one it's the we upgrade were... of this that's just been announced? It's so coming out at the end of this month. We were looking at reviews the other day. Is that the one? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, it has a couple of things that are a bit unusual. It has a little mini display on the back where it shows like a film box cut, basically, like you used to do in the old days. Yeah. Or you can have it show your settings like on top of the XH1. And then it has a fold out screen, which is where you find the actual back screen. You can't have the oh, back yeah. screen on the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and the, the the meaning behind it is supposed to be kind of putting you back into looking through the viewfinder and you, you're more focused on taking photos rather than just looking at the back of the screen would be my guess. I've heard a few people say that is the meaning, but until I hear Fuji say that is the meaning, I'll assume that's pretty much a good assumption to make. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a major mistake Fuji made with this camera, this X-Pro3, and, and I'm, I seem to be the only person that can acknowledge this. Um, don't put video in it. It's not built in any way ergonomically for video. You're talking about taking things back to pure photography. Take the fucking video functions out. Take out all of the nonsense that is associated with it. Clear the buffer. 
clear the the computer inside the camera of all of the burden of carrying video nonsense and when people complain about it say it's a fucking photography camera go away there's already enough people that are pissed off yeah but i think the reason they haven't is because they were going to get so much stick for the back screen being hidden that they were like well if we take video out as well this camera's going to get murdered and i think they actually misinterpreted the way the reaction would go the more polarizing something is, the more it kind of you either love it or hate it, the more of a cult following it will have. Yeah. The more you try and make stuff vanilla, like all cameras are these days, where they can do every, every camera could do all of the same things. It gets a little bit, you can't really love a camera because. It's kind of equivalent to going to your GP. Your GP is general for everything, not specialized in anything in particular. So you get the basic best in all scenarios. So when you get a camera that's got really amazing video quality and really amazing photo quality, you're not actually getting the absolute best of either one because they've had to fit all of that into one camera. Yeah. So if you really want a camera for video, buy a camera that's for video, like specializes in it. And if you really want a camera photography, buy a camera that specializes in photography. I don't know. And we've met many, many, many photographers and now having done weddings, many videographers. I don't know many people that will buy a camera that's a videographer and say, oh, well, I also use it for lots of photos as well. No, they only use it for video. Mm-hmm. But you've got a camera that does pictures. Why did you not buy a specialised camera and, and vice got, versa? But we've got cameras and we only take pictures. Mm. But we're walking around all day. Like at the moment, we're walking around with 4K in, in every one of these cameras, I think. Um, for definitely three of them. I definitely don't know. <laughs> but we're walking around with all these video functions that I'm just not going to use. Yeah, it's, it just seems it's like such a waste. It's very frustrating because I'd rather... I, what I would rather, and I talked about Canon doing this years ago, I was, I was having a conversation. So, you know, like you have signature guitars mm. and I was talking about like, what would your signature camera be? And I said, like, you take a 5D Mark IV, you attach the grip so it can't come off because why would you have that camera without a grip? Yeah. Okay. So you have it like the 1DX, but I don't want the 1DX. I want the 5D Mark IV, but with the grip, like a full body, yeah. the way the 1DX is, you get rid of the video functions and you open up the buffer so that you can shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and the camera can process and process all day long. Yeah. And then I'm fine. Yeah. That's pretty much all that. And a few extra custom function buttons because I really do like to have stuff. I mean, like I even right now, like, you know, when you watch the old bobsleigh teams at the Olympics where they kind of like envision the route. Yeah. I right now can tell you what every button on my Canon, which I haven't had for a month does. Yeah, I can do the same with my Sony. Right. Yeah. Um, And so that would be it. There wouldn't be much more I'd actually give much of a shit about. I I would be fine sticking with DSLR if they would have made a few changes. In fact, while we're here, let me just talk about this really quickly. And I want to talk to you about Sony, but I'm just going to talk about Canon for a second. So the problem is there is an inevitability to mirrorless Mm -hmm. because of... The voices that are most prominent in photography are YouTube voices. And unfortunately, it's a, it's a snake eating its own tail because the companies are paying the voices and then the voices are telling the companies and the companies are... So they're just listening to their it's own ideas. It's a vicious ideas. circle, isn't it? So you get people like Frono's Photo, who is... I don't really know how else to put it, but a shill. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a corporate whore. It's yeah. like whatever they'll pay him to say, 
he'll say. Yeah. And you have someone like him and he, like recently he's, I mean, as much as you can, bearing in mind some of the things you've heard me say over the years, this sentence apparently has like stirred controversy that he said the DSLR is dead. The DSLR is not dead. I have seen someone with my own eyes doing wet plate photography. It is not dead. Until I see, there's a couple of people I give a fuck about when it comes to the photography industry and they tell me what's actually going on. The first one is when I look at a football match or an ice hockey match or any kind of sport and I look around the outside of where the sport is taking place, the day I see those photographers all using Sony's or all using mirrorless will talk. But I still see them all using DSLRs. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That you might be able to go, oh, look, but I found this one picture this one time at this one game where there's this one guy who was probably reviewing a camera. Yeah. It needs to be across the board. Yeah. Like and, and one of the main problems with that is the fact that there aren't the lenses and the logistical um, means for you to switch over completely. You know, the reason that there are sports shooters shooting on canon dslrs or on nikon dslrs is because they can get a 600 mil lens and it doesn't cost an absolute fortune and it balances on the body a damn sight better than one that's got a huge flange sort of compensation and you've got this tiny little body attached to it there will come a point this will all get corrected and i think that the main the main thing that i've come to sort of accept over the last year is as wrong as it is the camera world is just going to keep pushing towards one type. The one truth is they won't make both DSLRs and mirrorless at equal rates. Yeah. One will have to slow down and they're not going to slow down the new product. They're going to slow down the old product until it completely bombs, which I don't think it will, because I think you're now getting a generation of people learning photography on mirrorless and if you thought that learning on a digital SLR was easy compared to film, you try learning photography on a mirrorless. It is like having someone else wipe your ass for you. These people now that are picking up a camera for the first time and they're learning on mirrorless, they don't have to do anything. The camera does all of the work for them. It's the easiest time in the entire history of mankind to learn photography. It's never been easier. I can't see many ways it can get much easier. And I talked about this recently about the plateauing of cameras. They're not getting better. They're getting more dumb-proof. Cameras aren't... You remember five, six years ago, but you remember five, six years ago, the 5DS, right? And it was like a 50 megapixel 5D. Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's going to kill medium format. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. You know, it's now it's a joke of a camera because you can't get real like a uh, the, the live view through the eyepiece. You know, it hasn't got an yeah. EVF. All that's happening is cameras aren't getting better; they're just dumb-proofing so much of it. Yeah, it's never been easier. That's the, the god's honest truth. And if that's sort of hurtful, and you, you're someone who's learning photography, and you feel like that's a, that's sort of um a slight towards your achievements in what you've learned, get over it. Because it's easier now to practice medicine than it was 100 years ago. It's easier to learn to drive now than it was 100 years or 50 years ago or 20 years ago. Hell, it's we've easier been to driving learn. for 12 years, 13 years. Yeah. And it's a lot easier in, in terms of the car yeah. to learn to drive now than it was then. Yeah. You know, like... 
I, mean- I still remember. I'm still poor and remember the days where you had to know the tricks to keep a car going, despite all of the mechanical faults that develop, because it's a piece of shit that wasn't supposed to last that long. Well, and we're still one of the youngest generations to remember non-power steering. Oh, you God, say yeah. you, you, if you say in winter, if you say to somebody now, like the some of the younger girls I've got at work who are driving. And we're like, you have no idea how hard it is yeah. to drive without power steering. They don't understand the concept of that. Back in the day when you ha- you got down like a cul-de-sac <laughs> and you had to do a three-point turn, you didn't have power steering, you're like, sod it, I'll just buy a house here. <laughs> you just leave your car in the middle of the road, done. Yeah, I'm walking home, I'm done. Got to wind the windows down. You're joking, yeah. you know. Yeah, so it, it's well, not now, a bad now, thing. Well, now, so this is funny because I was talking to a policeman at a wedding a couple of weeks ago. And he was saying to me that the, the hand signal to wind your windows down. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know what you mean when you do it, so you have to you have to point. Because like obviously, <laughs> when we but when we got pulled over, do you remember they would do like the hand signal, like the winding hand yeah. signal? Like, okay, I got to wind the window down. But now they kind of like and point downwards, and and that's the only way. I'm sorry, but if they were pointing at me, like if they did that to me, I'd be like. What are you looking at? Yeah, what's like, on the what's, floor? what's outside the car? Yeah, but, anyway. it, but it's not a bad thing that that cameras have advanced to this point where now it's easier to learn something. Just you have to take advantage of where we are in the development of technology. It's just it's a good thing. Don't be annoyed by it. I think I, to an extent I agree that it's a good thing in in theory. I think that there are unintended consequences to everything. Like sports science has got a lot better. Mm-hmm. If you took a football, an average football team from the Premier League now, and you had them play the Premier League champ or the 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 best team in England from say the fifties, it would be a massacre. Yeah, not because the ability is so much better, but because the guys on the pitch now are on. They've got nutritional advice. They've got specific workouts. They know more about the science of the body. Surgery is better. Regular physio. Regular physio and so on. So they are now, compared to 1950s athletes, they're machines. Mm. That's great. Like, that's obviously a fantastic thing. If you snapped a hamstring 20 years ago, you're fucked. Now, they can probably just get a robot to just ping it back on. You're running around 10 minutes later. That's great. The unintended consequence of cameras being more easy to use is that more people are using them and because you can produce certain things very quickly very easily people just instantly think i am amazing because i managed to make this camera take a photo but i think i think that cameras and phones already have already taken that yeah away so i think that with cameras being so simplified now and easier to use, I think that it hasn't really made much difference because those people that are picking up the cameras that are now easier to use have been doing it on their iPhone or their Samsung for ages now. So probably, even though it's slightly different, but you can still but get. You're not a photographer doing it on a phone. No, no, you you're can not. now call yourself a photographer doing it on a on a Sony like you know A seven three. Yeah, you can now call yourself a uh, like you know. Not to become a bitter old man I have become over the last couple of years, but you only have to look at the educational side of photography. And you look at some of the the people that are, that are the ones doling out advice. And some of the photographers that are very prominent, I can't say this guy's name, but you've got people like Brandon Waffle, Werfel, Werf, whatever. Basically, his thing is, did you know, I'm going to blow your mind here, Jamila, 
But if you shoot at a really wide aperture, okay, and you have fairy lights in the photo and they're in the distance, Mm -hmm. they make balls in the photo of light, okay? They make little balls of light all around the photo. Did you know that? What? Oh, right, exactly. It's it's mind-blowing. Now, imagine that. Imagine how simple that is. That, to me, it's like saying, did you know that if you put bread, right, and you put it into a machine that applies more heat, you get toast, <laughs> which is fine. But then it's like everyone already knows this. And it's like imagine now if someone came out claiming they invented a toaster. You just you laugh have one at, in you your You just house, laugh at them, yeah. But they're not laughed at. It's like the – and technically – such a terrible photographer like such a terrible photographer it's all just wank bank material for millennials who are just so excited by colors <laughs> like we are at the ultimate dumb generation of people that like this stuff so you've got this this st- like one of the things i've seen is that he puts up pictures where he shows like a before and after and he'll take a photo that's like three stops underexposed and he'll just lighten it and he's like oh yeah that's my style it's like no you just didn't know what the fuck you did at the time the camera didn't know what to do because yeah. there were so many light sources and you probably had this in like aperture priority and if you took away the girl that most people who like the photo want to have sex with yeah and you take away what i can only describe as moron candy which is the the sort of the way that the lights the the lighting effect in the photo the colors if you take all of that stuff out this guy doesn't have a leg to stand on but he's one of the most prominent people in 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 most people's minds with photography these yeah days. but again it's, i think it's like i said to you the other day that the it's, it's especially because it's all on youtube that it's not about the camera, it's not about the equipment that you're using, it's the personality. It's all about the individual themselves. They are the forefront. Yeah. Because when when we watch, sit and watch um, camera reviews, I picked up this new camera, like the guy we watched the other day with the new Fuji. Mm Mm-hmm. It, and he didn't show any images. Yeah. He was he was videoing himself talking in several different kinds of weather in New York, sat on a different set of stairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we were watching these poor girls ballet dancing in next to nothing in, in freezing in the rain. rain. It was yeah. ridiculous. So and he and didn't, you didn't show us a picture. It was like, what are you doing? Because he was he was more set on the idea that he was more important than what it was that he was doing. Almost like his celebrity. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's all it comes down to now. So these people, like you said, the 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 waffle guy, excuse me, no, didn't I, mean to I, be rude, but that guy. Yeah. Um, but like you said, his his I work, doubt after what I've just said anyone's gonna think that you're being rude. <laughs> just checking, just you know, in case. Um but you said that his work is just it's it's not good. He's not technically you know, very good. Okay, so you know a few years ago for anyone that doesn't know, we're married. We've been together for 15 years, married for seven. Um, and, seven and, and next f- week. O- like over half our lives together. Yes. And we've known each other since we were seven years old. Yeah. Do you remember a few years ago, we were, I think we were at like, it might have even been your sister's wedding, but we were somewhere where they had the TV on. Now, we don't watch TV. We watch, like we'll watch an app. We'll watch Netflix or YouTube or Prime. We don't watch like BBC Normal One. general TV. We don't yeah. watch that stuff. But we were somewhere where they had the TV on in the morning. It was not a wedding that we... It wasn't... If it was a wedding, it was your sister's. It wasn't like a, a general wedding. Okay. And they had the kids show on because that's what's on in the morning. And you, <coughs> you turned around and said to me, all kids shows are, it's just bright colours and noises. Yeah. 
go on Instagram and look at modern photography. It's, yeah. Do you not realise, the other day you even said this. So I put on a, a video where a guy's talking about a vintage lens that I really like the look of, and you walked in, saw the guy on the TV, and you went, why does every YouTuber have to use fucking gels? Oh my God, yeah, I remember that. Everything now is just diabetically oversweetened, oversaturated bollocks. Yeah. And it's that's the, that to me is the real negative consequence of maybe unintended, but the real negative consequence of dumbing cameras down. Yeah. I'm not saying you should make every camera hard to use, but but I think if, but if give... you're going to simplify how to use a camera, mm. and then people are going to talk about it, mm. they shouldn't then be the focal point. They shouldn't then be diabetic colours and yeah. stuff like that. They need to just talk about it for what it really is. Like we can. I mean, these X-T3s are simpler to use, like you say, because they're mirrorless and everything, so much easier to use. The same as with the Sony. So just talk about the damn camera. Don't make everything so fluffy and unicorns. And But I think but even beyond the presentation of the person reviewing or talking about a camera, you have the problem of it's actually affecting the way people shoot. Yeah. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And not going full Jurassic Park here, but <laughs> but just because you can underexpose something by five stops and bring it up doesn't mean it's a good idea to do it and you shouldn't be proud of it. Yeah. Especially, uh, here's the thing, I've shot wedding photos and underexposed something by five stops. It has happened. It's a fucking wedding. Yeah. But if you are a guy who is going to take 12 pictures of some dickhead rolled up in fairy lights in controlled lighting at a controlled pace where the, the shoot is happening at, you are the one leading, it's happening at your schedule. Yeah. And you're underexposing something by that much. You're just shit. Yeah. You're just not very good at what you do. Yeah. And the problem, and this is the last thing I would say, and we're going to get back on, on point here. <laughs> But the, the, the main problem as well is that these people feel justified because there is a new metric. There is a new metric, which is that if you have more followers than me, you must be right. If you have more likes than me, you must be right. Yeah. You can say that, you know, do you remember Liar Liar? Yeah. But Jim Carrey's trying to say the pen is red and it's a blue pen. He can't say it. Yeah. If you were... If you have more followers than me, you can say whatever you want. It's just true. Just because of consensus. Mm. In an age where every, everybody says that we should have like more science and we should have less about what, what you believe, but more about science and facts and we should cut all the bullshit. We are as bad as we've ever been as a race, as in the human race, for just going with the consensus. If there are mob mentality, if there are more people doing this thing, it must be right. Yeah. That's the problem for me. Let's get back on track. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to really go off on one. It's been, do you know what? We've just finished wedding season. Let's be honest. We have, We have yeah. four left. Yeah. Um, we've done, how many have we done? What, the, what, in total? This year. Oh, this year. Um, it's like 66. So something no, so like, sixty-two or sixty-three. I'll be honest, something like that. I've We're just track. we've crossed the sixty threshold for the year, and let's be honest, this has been the hardest year, without a doubt. Like it's been in places knackering, yeah. and not just for the the job itself, but for the um, some of the vendors you have to work with, 
and sometimes the wedding planners just don't know what they're doing and this has been the hardest year. This is the year where we've experienced the most difficulties in different aspects of the day that we haven't hadn't yet had the opportunity to uh yeah or we would have had it like once in in a sp- in a, in a buffered by 25 weddings either side and we wouldn't yeah. have felt the the effects of it and we've had this year we've had a couple of weddings where we have walked away and we are just like jesus christ that was hard yeah yeah like the, i i have earned my kfc today <laughs> damn right those extra wings and then the next day we've had one that's been equally hard that's been the difference we've yeah. had like a few weddings this year where we've back to back which we've done before, but they've been back-to-back difficult days. Yeah. And it's not necessarily someone's fault. You have, like, bad weather. We had that on Friday. Or was it Saturday we had bad weather? Saturday. And, um, you have, like, things go wrong, like timings or registrars turning up late or all sorts of things that can happen. But this has just been a year, hasn't it? Like It has. We we are going to enjoy our break. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um. It's been the biggest learning curve. And then uh, towards the end of it, you decide to switch systems. Yeah, no, in the middle of it. Let's, let's give me full credit for my stupidity. I should be switching now. See, I'm being so, nice. No, yeah. no, I've been fully In the middle stupid. of it, yeah. he decided to switch systems. I actually switched cameras over in the mix of seven weddings in yeah. 15 days. No, 16 days. That's yeah. when I decided it was the best time for you to learn an entire new camera system while on the job. It was um, it was a dumb decision. Yes. To be honest with you, it was a dumb decision. As my husband, I love you, but that was a dumb decision. Yes. However, yes. there's always a however with me. I look at the bright side of everything. Yeah. I do believe in getting thrown at the deep end and learning that way. Yes. I think, in all honesty, if you'd have decided, when's our last wedding, like the 7th or 8th of December, something like that, I think if you'd have decided then, oh yeah, we're going to switch systems and we don't have a wedding until the middle of January and it's one wedding in January and then we've got one a couple February, on the end yeah. of February, I think that I'd have just been like, I hate you so much. I cannot believe you've made me switch systems. I can't believe you've done this. I can't this. believe you've done this, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I would have just hated it yeah. um, because there's no flow to it. Yeah. And I'm not someone, and it, I'm not someone that picks up a camera when I'm not photographing because uh, it's, I enjoy photographing at weddings and stuff like that, but I don't pick up a camera right. in between that really. Let's be honest. I don't, unless it's my Instax or my phone, I don't pick up cameras other, no, really, no, you, do, do I? Have I? To, I have to force you to take cameras yeah. with you. Places. And I don't. And I think part of that helps my sanity because yeah. I'm, I'm because of the systems and everything. Um, but because I don't pick cameras up like that, if you just switch systems in that break. It would have been too cold. I'd have been like, Yep, yeah, no, you do weddings on your own now. Yeah. I'm done. You wouldn't have been coming in like <laughs> all my work. Would, up. Yeah, all my work would have been awful. I wouldn't. I would have forgotten about ISO. All this stuff that I learned, yeah, would have just gone completely out all the window. All of a sudden, you'd be like, I don't know what a camera is. Yeah. So you know, you made a dumb decision. All right. But it was a good one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> a bit hurtful. But. Well, you know, I'm I'm honest. You know, I'm married to you. What do you expect? I think I agree. It's it's a stupid time to do it, but I think that what more people should do generally is go with what their mind tells them. Like, you know, like don't overthink a, a situation. Seriously, like don't overthink it because if you hmm. start looking for every, this is coming from me. I was literally just going to say, this is coming from you who is the overthinker of but everything. But I have to insulate myself from myself. 
That's the truth of it. All jokes aside, I have to. I I know I overanalyze. I know I've got a negative perspective on most things. So when I have an idea and I think, okay, well, I might have a problem with this idea. I just need to, if I think in the long run it's going to be good, but I'm going to talk myself out of it, I have to just pull the trigger. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I'm actually really glad I did. And I, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I came out of a wedding and I said to you, God, I wish I'd have done this years ago. Yeah. Like, you, I've enjoyed this so much. It's actually changed your perspective yeah. quite a bit. Um, and it's, I mean, like you said earlier, because we've had a quite a rough year with weddings and that, it's actually gotten to the point where that wedding you came out of and you're like, I've really enjoyed today. And I could see that you enjoyed shooting that day. Um, and it had nothing to do really with the the people, the venue, the weather, anything like that. You enjoyed photographing. Yeah. So I think that you'd gotten to a point where you'd gotten a bit stale because you were you were so used to the camera and the lenses and mm. you knew all of that inside out and back to front. And you're someone that you like a little bit of a challenge and you like to reinvent how you do stuff because you always believe in learning. Yeah. You you never ever want to, but you've never, sorry, not you never, ever, you have never wanted to be in a position where you're stuck. You just want to keep getting better and better. And I think in the middle of this year, you hit that point where you were like, actually, no, I'm, I'm not getting anything new out of this. I need to be more creative and I can't because I'm stuck. So. Well, I'll tell you one other thing. I realized, I, I realized one of my own downfalls as a photographer um, is as it was when I did it, it wasn't a downfall. But the landscape has shifted so much, it's now a negative. So I, when I got into photography, the first person whose work stopped me was Emily Soto. Now, her work has changed significantly, but that original... Like you can find her old videos on YouTube. That's where yeah. I I watched those videos and I was like, those are the photos I want to take. And I bought a camera and I bought a lens that I thought would do it. And I literally shot like a psychopath for two years until I got somewhere near what I thought it looked like. And yeah. then I went off on my own tangent. That narrow depth of field, like very light, airy um, studio owner once called it gay shit in a field. Um and I got in trouble with Facebook for changing my occupation to working <laughs> in gay shit in the field. But the, the truth is the narrow depth of field stuff, it, it's just what I like, mm. right? But, and it's a pretty important but, I've done it. Like, I can't go any further with it. I took a 1.2 lens, an 85mm 1.2 lens, on a full frame camera and I increased the sensor size by 50 times to narrow the depth of field more. Yeah. I can't go any further without literally taking pictures of cream out of focus. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I, do. I took that as far as I could take it. The, the off side of it, the, the problem I was, I was developing was I was becoming very dependent on it. Mm -hmm. And that because I have a couple of social anxieties, I have a couple of issues when I'm weddings present a couple of issues for me as, as my personality. And one of them is that when I see a scene a certain way and I'm in the process of photographing a scene a certain way, and then there is like a, a an external factor, there is a like a venue person there, or there is a bridesmaid, or there is just some dickhead there that is 
then commentating on what they think would be a good photo. Yeah. That throws me off kilter. And I actually struggle to stay focused on what I want to do because I feel like if I don't do what they've suggested, the bride and groom are going to think either I can't, and I know that's not the case at all, yeah. but they're going to think that either I can't or that I'm not going to do it out of spite or something. All of this is part of my overthinking. Mm. But I get the impression as I'm doing it, I really don't like people actually suggesting photos while I'm doing my thing. Yeah. I, you are the only person. I don't even like it when brides and grooms do it, if I'm completely honest, because usually it's suggested right as I've set something up. And it's like, great, now we can do this thing that you've just told me you've got no enthusiasm for, and then we'll go do your thing, which I've got no enthusiasm for. Yeah. Like, we could have done that at the end, and you could have said, look, I like the idea of this. Yeah. And I could have seen how I would interpret that. Yeah. But it's when, like, we had this a couple of weeks ago. Um, side note, I hate venues that are um, golf courses. Just a personal thing. Yeah. Don't, I don't work any less hard, but I, I hate them. And I hate them for one specific reason. Those venues always just want you to photograph them as if you work for the venue. Yeah. Not uh, for the couple. Yeah. I hate bridges. Yeah, there's always a... Br I oh, hate bridges. We're going to get on the buggies, okay? You're gonna Which is on, cool. Right, and then we're going to... Yeah, you like the buggies. And we're going <laughs> to go down across, try not to get hit by 12 golf balls. Yep. And then uh, we're going to go to this really nice bridge. And you're like, oh, good. I'm looking forward to it just being out in the middle of nowhere with a god-awful background, a massive deep water sign nailed onto it. And when they walk on the bridge, they look like they're two foot shorter because the walls of the bridge are so high. Yep. And we'll do that at two o'clock in the afternoon when there's mid, like midday-ish sun. It's going to be a magical photo. I really can't wait to see it in your brochure without you asking for it. Yeah. So that's my reason for, for the issue with golf courses, but... I just become too dependent when I felt that social anxiety come in on just going to narrow depth of field mm -hmm. because I just thought this looks fucking hideous, but at least if I take a picture at 1.2 or 1.4 and I shoot it in a, in a kind of narrow depth of field way, at least it will look like a professional photo as opposed to an iPhone photo, which is what they're asking for. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's what my thinking was. The problem is that's become such a crutch that I found this year I was walking into venues and I wasn't even exploring other possibilities. I was like, I know this is a safe bet, like a safe bet mm -hmm. for this look. There we go. Yeah. Which meant terrible photos. Yeah. Or not terrible photos, but very safe, boring photos that I wasn't building on. I wasn't getting better in certain aspects. And if I'm not getting better, I'm I'm going backwards. Yeah. Add to that, like I say about stuff online, it, it's a little shout out here to an Instagram page. I believe it's called Trendy Photography Memes. That's a funny page. And one of the things they point out a lot is just the, the amount of people that just shoot a picture of their camera in their hand, narrow depth of field, or they'll shoot all these cliches. And one of the cliches is just this narrow depth of field thing. It's just becoming more and more of a thing because of the idiot proof cameras. So I felt I needed to go in a direction where I wasn't doing that as much. And I, I got better compositionally because I was being more open to having to control all the factors in a scene. But it's also great because it's moving me quite far away from this 
broad slew of shite that is coming in where people are like, oh my God, is that a 1.8 lens? That must be a Wilga camera. <laughs> yeah. I'm moving away from that. What I do want to ask you in particular, though, um, and I'd be interested to hear other people who've made a similar switch, but so you've gone Canon to Sony, and Lord knows I know how much you were happy when you switched from Canon to Sony. It was the mirrorless switch mainly. You loved the the EVF. It was a big Amazing. deal, right? What mm. is the what is the the good and the bad of jumping from Sony to Fuji? Uh, let's start with the good. So the good is um, I absolutely adore their 16mm lens, yep. which I didn't have with the Sony or anywhere even close. Um, well, the equivalent you would have had in your bag would have been the Sigma 24R. Yeah. And you barely touched it. Yeah. I mean, I tried to use it for lay flats and that, but the 16mm Fuji lens is absolutely beautiful and you can get so freaking close. Yeah. It's unreal and you can get stuff in focus and it's really, really nice. Um, I fell in love with that because I actually really liked the 18mm when we had that and yeah. we were doing the trial run at weddings. I'd go off with the 18mm and I two pictures of my lay flats and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, but the 16mm has become... Is, yeah, it's become my lens. It. You've, he's gone. Yeah, You're never getting get it back. i have to get another one. Yeah. Um, but th that lens is just lovely. Um Excuse me. And I, there, obviously there wasn't much of a switch to do with the the viewfinder. Like I can see the picture in the camera. From the Sony to from the, the Fuji. From the Sony yeah. to the Fuji. So that was the same. And to me, that was very important. I had that. Weird question because mm -hmm. you used it and I didn't. Do you find the, genu genuinely, do you find the viewfinder in the Fuji better or worse than the Sony or do you not notice a difference? No, there is a slight difference. It's slightly better. Right. Um, with the Sony, viewing the image on the on the screen on the back of the camera and then viewing it through the viewfinder is the same thing. Yes. With the Fuji, when you view a picture on the on the screen on the back of the camera, you're like, eh. Yeah. Then you look through the viewfinder and you're like, oh. Yeah. There is that it makes it worthwhile looking at it through the viewfinder. Um and also the viewfinder, I suppose it's because the camera and the lenses are a bit sharper, but the picture itself just looks so much nicer. There's that crispiness to it. Um, yep. And just, you can almost see the image as finished, like, cause there's a bit of yeah. grain to it as well. Yeah. And I see a finished image when I look into it. Cause the other day I was taking some pictures of some lay fats and um, I was looking on the back of the camera because I couldn't look through the viewfinder because it would have meant that my shadow would have blocked the light. Yeah. And also it would have meant that I, I would just be tainting the image. So I had to use the um, screen to take the picture. And then, so I took a few and I was like, I don't know if I like this, looked through the viewfinder and I went, oh shit, this is lovely. Yeah. So it, it, it's the immediate difference. So that's such a positive because it's, it's just really, really nice to have that. Um, the, the, the things that I'd say are negatives, mm -hmm. um, at the moment is the damn play button. I hate it's where the stupid place. Hate where the play button is. Yeah. It's not It needs to be right from accessible. Yeah. It, it 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 because when I'm looking through the viewfinder at pictures, I have to physically move and I got a little thumb. Yeah. Is no, it, but no, it's not even about that. But it that. doesn't it's, mean but I'm stretching it, I've over. Got, I've got bigger hands than you. It's annoying for me. It, it's, it's stupid. So yeah. move the damn play button or let me customize it somewhere else. It needs to be so on the XT3 on the back, if I just grab one here, I'm gonna describe this because obviously we're not videoing. Oh yeah. But on the back you see where you've got 
the D pad, mm-hmm. the menu D pad. Lose that. Get rid of it. Yeah. Just have a menu button and do everything else with a joystick. Yeah. And then where that D pad is, put a play button. Yeah, just put a, yeah. Move put, the play button over there and make that button a custom function button for something like face detectable. I don't care. I, I actually miss from the Sony, I miss the um eye detect button. You know, I which used to be I able to press. You, yeah. yeah, which you had set up for me, which was perfect. And it was in the right place because it was for my left hand to use. Yeah. So I miss that in in compared to, uh, comparison to both. Well, you hold a camera different to me, especially your left hand. Like I do a lot of my holding with my left hand. I can almost not use my right hand to shoot because I even sometimes use my left hand to actually press the yeah. shutter as well. And that's just come from years of, of holding shit in front of the camera, basically. Yeah. You hold your very, your thumb is like, your left thumb is really weirdly placed to me. Mm. Not wrong, but it's just weird for to me. You, yeah. Um, and that was when I got the Sony and I could, fu- I could set that function button. I was like, well, the most obvious thing here for Jamila is that we set that so that when you hold that down, it just finds a face. Yeah. And it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, no, it worked really well. Right, let's talk about the face detect. Yes. Because it's, you've it, not used it too much. It, yeah, but it doesn't touch the Sony. Not at all. It doesn't touch the Sony. It, it, it's, it's passable. It's okay. Yeah. It's actually not as good as the Canons in their DSLR and live view. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it it's just not as good as the Sony. And um, I suppose it's just because I've gotten better at, understanding a camera and taking a picture that it's not the worst thing in the world for Mm. me but I definitely do miss that Um, all of the cameras I'm using I turn face detect off you see I I I like to have face detect purely for the um walking up the aisle and him seeing her for the first time yeah um because I wish they would do it like the Sony though with the Sony it would show you grey squares on the faces that it found in the scene. So it could be 20 yeah. faces. And then you can move your focus point to the fa- right where the face that you want is and it will go, okay, you want that one. Yeah, and it sticks to that. Whereas on the Fuji, you move the focus point and it loses all the faces. Yeah, okay. So you go to then shoot and it goes, oh no, but this face. And yeah. Like, no, I want to choose whether or not I want the face. Yeah. See, I had that yesterday during Brian. You're literally telling me, not only do I not get to choose whether or not I have a face, you're telling me which face. That's the one problem I have. I have no doubt from what I've seen in the short time I've had this, that Fuji will do something to correct the issue because Mm. the X-T3 has got a couple of years on it before they even start talking about the replacement. Yeah. So I'm sure they'll, they'll do something, but at the moment it is not even close. Yeah. The other thing that (laughs) I, um... I don't, I'm not a particular fan of, and it was different for the Sony and it was in a good way, was the um, shutter speed button or is the ISO button on the left? That's the ISO. ISO button. Um, I actually hate where that button is. The knob is, sorry. I hate where it is. Because again, it's that whole left hand thing because I'm having to move and then twist. Um, And whereas when I'm actually photographing, I now remember which one is ISO and which one's shutter speed. Whereas now looking at the camera, I've got no idea. but before I could literally press a button with my right hand whilst I was looking through the viewfinder and change my ISO. Yeah. And it was all, it didn't mean that interrupted me in any way. Yeah. Whereas at the moment this is interrupting me. And then when I have to bring my hand over to change the shutter speed, yeah. I'm going over the viewfinder. Yeah, I do the same thing. And then I lose the picture because my hand has decided that it's going to get in the way or well, something like stupid. Like I said with your one, I think what we do is we're going to make it dial assignable so that it'll actually be where your thumb is. As yeah. opposed to the dials on top. I do like though where the um 
the so underneath the ISO button, uh, ISO knob, the circular thing, there is a like uh, little sub dial. Yeah, there's a sub dial for um, single shot, multiple shot, continuous low, continuous yeah. high. I actually really like where that is because yeah. that to me makes sense because you've got where that dial is, you've got the little um, handle bit that pokes out. It makes a lot of sense. So I think that practically that's actually in a really good place because I agree. Before but I, I had would, to go I would and make one change. Mm. This is the change I would make. So you've got double exposure. Which After S, there's like two squares. Oh, yeah. Get rid of that. I don't go that way. Advance, get rid of that. What the hell does that do? It's like stupid toy modes. Oh, it's, I, I do take like, pictures, like by the way. It's like modes. But you, you don't play around with the camera to get loads of stupid effects. No, I just want it then to work. The next one I think is Pano. Oh, okay. Get yeah, rid yeah. Of that. That makes Put sense. it in the menu. I don't care. Keep it in the camera. I don't want it on the dial. I want the dial to be like one, two, three, click. Yeah. So I want I want single, yep. continuous low, and continuous high. Yep. And if you have to be a dick about it, and I want it to be a little bit more of a space, put movie in there, which is the last one. What's BKT? Bracket. Well, you take like three photos, and it's like under, over, and then in the middle, and then you can combine them for HDR. Oh, that's just lame. Again, it? put it in the menu. I have no problem with people that want to do that, but I don't. I want to be able to muscle memory. Yeah. That without having to look at it. Yeah. Um, and on the other side, your um, sub dial is for the uh, uh, um, metering modes. So it's like if you want to have the whole scene or spot meter, there's probably a lot of clicking going on right now while Jamila tries to murder a camera. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so you can have like whole scene or whatever. But the, the thing about the way we shoot and the reason that you don't care about this is because we don't have anything automated. We have, yeah. you know, we're in manual. We're shooting manual aperture, manual. manual shutter speed, manual ISO. Well, I do have to say that subdial is in kind of a stupid place. And I apologise for the clicking. Yeah, because as I pulled it all the way around to the end one, which is the bracket with no dots in the middle of it, it's so close to the shutter button that you can't actually ping it back. Yeah. So it's um, not something you're going to move on the fly. Yeah, and yeah. to be honest with you, if you hadn't said that was there, I never would have noticed. <laughs> no, and like I say, it doesn't matter because you're looking at your exposure real time and mm. we shoot everything manual. It's not like you're putting it into like auto ISO and then you're using the, the exposure compensation dial. Yeah, so. there is one thing, one other thing that I wish this camera had that the Sony had yep. is the touchscreen. I turned it off. Can you put it back for me? <laughs> oh my you, God. Let me explain why. Let me explain why. And then you can tell me your bit. Okay. The reason I turned it off, okay, is because I'm old, right? <laughs> and I was, I'm not, I'm going to use the technical term here. I was mushing my face so hard <laughs> against the screen. That I swear to God, bit. I swear to God, right? I'm at, a, I'm at a wedding a few weeks ago, right? And I'm not, I'm not even making this up during a ceremony, and I go to focus on the bride's face. I think they'd done the rings and it's like, like fucking annoying, like two minutes between the rings and the kiss. I just kiss. <laughs> I'm ready. Kiss. <laughs> and they're dicking about. And I'm watching my focus point go <laughs> away from me. And I'm like, where the fuck are you going? So I move it back with my thumb and I like move in and I mush up for a closer look. And it goes, and I'm like, no, no, stop moving away. And I was thinking my camera's having a fit. <laughs> Right, because I don't, I, I don't like touch screens. I, I will put it back on your camera. Good. I also don't understand. I've got a honker of a nose, and I've never had that experience in my life. I can tell you why. <laughs> tell me for why. I can tell you for why. It's because of your stupid glasses that you <laughs> you turn your head so far sideways to look through a camera. So when I hold a camera, oh God, I wish this was being videoed, right? 
I go right eye through the center, okay? So okay. right eye through the center, and I'm like this. Right. So I'm straight forwards. I'm looking. When I'm shooting, do you notice I open my other eye? Yeah, you're weird. A lot weird. of people go, right, it looks weird. But, but I know I'm the reason why. But I'm watching other stuff going on. Like during the ceremony, I can, I'm fucking weird for this, and I need to brag about this more, <laughs> but I can set my focus point on who I want it to be on and look around the room, and I am so steady with the way that I hold the camera that I know if something started to happen and I'm not looking at direction, I can just fire the shutter and I've got the shot. Right? Yeah. So I've got used to that, whereas you... When you, and I'm going to describe this for the, the boys and girls at home. But when you hold a camera, you almost hold it like you are shooting out of the corner of your right eye. Right? So you hold it like over here, which you think is normal. I do. It's normal. What are you talking but about? to everyone else who is not a psychopath in the universe, <laughs> it actually looks like you're pretending to take a photo, but you don't know what it looks like to take a photo. <laughs> It, it, do you remember years ago there was the, the campaign with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio with the watches where he was like holding the watch on like his fingers and then like on his shoulder Oh yeah, and yeah. it was like a meme that he didn't know how to hold a watch yeah yeah that's what you look like you seriously you look like the shittest spy in the world <laughs> like you hold it like this I don't it, think you're telling the whole I'm truth telling, there. I'm telling you 100% the truth <laughs> 100% the truth. I think you get a lot of people sympathise with you at weddings. Why do they you, think I'm a bit special? <laughs> they think you're, maybe maybe I'm bringing you to work because you're not allowed to stay home alone. Wow. I think that might be. That's really deep. Yeah, I think just by the way you hold the camera. And then you talk and they're like, oh, she's normal. <laughs> but when they see you use a camera, I think some people think that there might be like um, a half marathon run to support people with oh, your issues. You're a dick. <laughs> No, but back to the reason why I need that touch screen. Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> because I am the other kind of S. I am short. Okay. Okay. I'm short. Um, so not only is this good for ceremonies, but it's also good for lay flats when I can't get myself in the oh, way and of you light. Be able to touch the screen on the tilt. Yeah. And also when I've got really tall bridesmaids and a bride in seven inch heels. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to wear heels to weddings because I can't run fast in them, so I have to wear flats. To be I fair, am... you can't run fast in any shoes, but... You, you shush right now, okay? <laughs> I'm talking. <laughs> um, but um, when I need to get the camera up and above to take picture of the back of the dress, I can't do that by stretching over and then moving the focus point with my thumb. Fine. I need to be able to touch it and I boom. I will put touchscreen back on on your Good. camera. Good. That's but, what I like. But if you are in the middle of a ceremony... <laughs> And you miss a first kiss because your nose <laughs> moves the focus point. That's on you. In 18 months, I never had that problem. This is a different camera. And I'm pretty sure it's scientific that noses keep growing. <laughs> but yeah, that was so. So back to the original question that you asked me. That's kind of my pros and cons. I am still getting used to this eye cup thing. Mm-hmm. And I know you hated that I never well, you, had an eye cup yeah, on my Sony. Eye, you literally took the eye cup off of the Sony <laughs> and it was just raw. <laughs> yeah, it was just raw. And I tell you for why, husband, because as you know, I've got three inch thick glasses on my honker yeah. here. Yeah. It's really, I know it sounds stupid, but it's actually very uncomfortable to use the um, rubber What's yeah, this no, thing I, 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 no, it's not. Like I don't understand yeah. it. I, 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 I shoot with sunglasses on. It's annoying as fuck. Yeah, so I will I hate point it. out really quickly to anyone listening that you use the word honker to mean nose. I do. I mean it to mean nose. 
in the same conversation where you have mentioned other parts of your body. So <laughs> I am in, I am referencing my nose. But so, yeah, so I, yeah. But th- that was the, that's actually that's the pros and cons. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'll add. Here's what I find the cons. Mm-hmm. I hate this. The little focus dial on the front, bottom left of the camera. Yeah, you're quite. You've yeah, you got to think about that, haven't you? Because it's dumb. Because it should be really fairly difficult to change between modes. It should take a bit of force, right? Right. Because I don't want to suddenly be in manual focus. Yeah. Right. They're walking out, and someone nudges me, and I'm like my hands in the wrong place and just by someone nudging me I knock it into manual focus and then I miss every single picture of them walking out because it's in a dumb place so I now have to hold the camera very slightly different I actually hold it so that I'm not near it I'm I'm trying to work out because I I completely understand what you're saying I'm trying to work out now how because that button's never bothered me so if I'm holding a camera I've got to do this with a microphone in the way (laughs) but I hold like this Okay, so my thumb is in the ballpark. Oh, I see. Whereas my thumb's okay. So I'm I'm supporting the lens at the very bottom, like right next to the camera body, and it's just in the way where I could. And I did yesterday. I did it once. Oh, okay. Whereas now I actually have to almost put like two fingers on the front of the lens, palm of my hand on the bottom of the camera, and then it sort of makes it very hard for me to reach that dial, which you know. Okay. All right. I also had the the really funny thing of so I bought all the new Fuji stuff. Yes. New bags because mirrorless stuff is stupidly small and my old bag was huge. All all set up, right? And uh woke up in the morning ready for a wedding, all batteries charged, all cards ready to go, all new cards. All excited to get out and start being a, a Fujiographer, as I'm sure it's called, or oh, something. Christ. Something stupid like that. I'm ready to go and shoot a wedding. I'm excited to go and t- to take pictures at a wedding. And I'm flicking through a forum about photography and this guy says anyone else have the problem where your Fuji just won't turn on when you get to a certain shut account and in a room on my own sat on the floor because of my bad back I was like hold the fucking phone you did what now (laughs) and there's people saying oh yeah sometimes they'll just and they won't come back on they'll just brick I was like oh good good I'm glad I'm someone that shoots massive volumes now, I have no problem with replacing a shutter, but I feel like it should still try and limp across the finish line until I tell it to start. So what's the apparent limit where it just goes... Well, no. this one guy said 100,000, which if that's the case, I'm buying a lot of new shutters. <laughs> yeah, we are effed in the A. Yeah, we are. Um, okay, so uh, very quickly, just to talk about a couple of other things. The X-H1, which seems to be um, kind of a bit of a distant memory for a lot of people it's kind of fallen out of favor i guess because the xt3 has come in and now the x pro 3 um if you are considering getting a new camera buddy and you're thinking about mirrorless you can do a lot worse than spend a thousand pounds and get the xh1 which has fairly decent image stabilization which i couldn't give a shit about um is a bit more robust it will feel like your dslr the lenses are fairly cheap to pick up and for a £1,000, you get the battery grip and a couple of extra batteries as well. I am staggered with the uh, value for money on that camera. That is the best value for money second body I think you can buy in the world. Ooh. I'd go that far of any system. I, I would go that far. Um, the shutter on it is bizarre. 
And I understand it's to do with wanting the stabilization to be sort of helped. So it's got like a, almost like a leaf, I think it's a leaf shutter, but it's very, like the shutter button is ridiculous. It's squidgy. It's, I don't even know if I'd say squidgy. It just kind of doesn't do anything. It's like a souffle. It just kind of goes. It, oh, what does it feel? There's another kind of button somewhere that when you press it, it feels like that's not going anywhere. See, we're back on you being special now. <laughs> Um, I'm going to get complex from this. You know that, don't you? But seriously, really cool camera. A um, couple of like, it's fallen back a little bit with a couple of features that are in the X-T3, which is a bit frustrating. But as a second body, I don't think you could get a better one. I'm tempted to just go and get another one just because, Christ, the, the value for money is nuts. Yeah. Um, now, this is for Fuji. I'm going to pitch an idea here and everyone in the world who knows what they're talking about is going to agree with me. And if you don't agree with me, it's because you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm going to pitch an idea for a camera that Fuji should make and they should bring it out at the end of next year. They should absolutely do this okay. without fail. And they can send me a royalty check and I can put as many zeros as I want on the end and they will still be making a profit. <laughs> now I have complained Mm -hmm. A lot in my life. It's one of my favorite hobbies. But I have complained for a long time that I've wanted an X-Pan, Hasselblad X-Pan, which is a very, very unusual camera. So it takes 35 millimeter film and it shoots panoramic single shots with a really cool wide aspect ratio. Okay? Yeah. The problem is, is that they've become a little bit of a hipster thing and they've become a little bit um, sought after and the price has gone through the roof. Now, a few years ago, when I was a bit unsure about photography, I found one for £900, full working order, and I turned it down. We're idiots, aren't we? And it's now like two grand over that. So here's my idea. And it's thanks in part to Nick Carver, who's a really cool film photographer, great YouTube channel, Jamila Loves His Accent, Yep. Loves his truck. Oh, yeah. Um, they need to bring out an uh, an X100, but they need to make it a pan. So here's my pitch. Okay. So the fixed lens X100 that we had, we had the X100F. Yeah. They need to bring out the X200 pan. Okay. And it has to have the aspect ratio of 16 by 7 as the sensor size. Okay. I don't care how hard this is to develop. They have to do it. <laughs> Just put two sensors next to each other and clip a bit. I don't care. Do it. Okay. Then they need to put on it what would be about the full frame equivalent of about a 40 mil lens. So a decent standard, but with that huge aspect ratio, it's quite an interesting perspective. Okay. It only needs to be like a 2.8 or a 3.5. It doesn't need to be super fast. I'm sure that there'll be some mouthy dickhead on YouTube that will say it's not fast enough because for some reason everything has to have all the features all the time. But it will be fine. It will be an amazing street photography camera, an amazing landscape camera. It will be brilliant. Mm -hmm. There's a few things they have to do with it. Okay. The first thing is not just put a normal sensor in and have a digital crop. It has to have a big, 
wide sensor. It has to have a daft sensor to take the pictures properly to give you the maximum use of all of the megapixels available. Yeah. The next thing is do not, do not sell it in black. Sell it in raw metal. Okay. Right? It needs to look old and it needs to take damage. Okay, here's the thing. You know wooden furniture, when it's like really highly polished and then it gets a scuff, it's fucked. Yeah, it looks horrible. Don't want that. You want that old school wood that when it starts to get beaten up, it takes on character. Yeah. That's what they need to do. They need to have a, car- a, a camera that, that develops character with the more abuse it gets. Yeah. Like people. <laughs> like I have. I've gotten more and more characterful with the more and more abuse you give me. What, is it no surprise after what you said about <laughs> me tonight, huh? So... They need to do that. They need to put in a few changes, like I've said. Yep. Like with that stupid manual focus to single to continuous focus button. They need to move that right out of the way, make it a decent button. Yeah. Um, But pretty much everything else can stay as is. Has to have a square lens hood and a decent sliding cap. One thing I hated about the X100F was the stupid lens cap that I had to replace because it was stupid. A pressure mounted lens cap is stupid. Everyone that made it should be fired. <laughs> the people that even even the people that didn't protest enough about it should be fired <laughs> from that company. That camera will sell billions. Probably not, but still. That camera That's a very s- bold claim. <laughs> it will sell billions. A, it will sell a lot. No video functions because you don't need it. Yeah. Go away with your video stuff. No one is even using the video functions of these cameras particularly well. Right? No video functions at all. Yeah. No double exposure. None of that. I want it to be ISO, shutter, aperture, take photos, shut up. That's what the camera has to be. You want the Jamila version, don't you? The no bullshit version. I I want no bullshit. So when that comes out next year or in two years, you're you're welcome, everyone that buys one. (laughs) So we're happy with the Switch. Yes, At happy. This point. Happy. And now I know I can have touchscreen. I'm even happier. <laughs> Thank you, bub. Um, really quickly, let's just, last little bit, let's just talk through some lenses here. Because we've now settled pretty much, I think, on what we're going to go forward with. So, Okay. Can really, I, really, yeah, let me go first. Because I, I, I love I love some of the lenses. So the 16mm. 160mm for you right there. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Yep. It's um, the perfect lens. It is the perfect lens. There's no lens. problem with it at all. And it's really nice for um, candids as well. It's yep. really nice for candids. But this is just an absolutely beautiful lens. Um, lens. I even don't care that all the Fuji lenses have their aperture on the... Um, now you've got used to that quite quickly. Yeah, I have gotten used to that quite quickly. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love it. It's a lovely lens. You can shoot... Uh, I suppose it's the equivalent to me using the 35 previously. No, it's, it's only the 20, 35. It's the, it's the 24. No, but in the sense that but I... in the amount you use it, it's... The amount I yeah. use it, that's what I mean. Um, and how much I use it for. So yeah. it's, it is an absolutely beautiful one. It's so sharp and you can get so close to stuff and it creates... And it's weather sealed and it's it? 1.4 and it's sharp at 1.4. I love it at 1.4. And I, it's sharp up close, as sharp as it is far away. The highest I take it to is F4 for when I'm doing my lay flats. Yeah. And I Very quickly so love that, it. So that um, this makes sense because obviously, again, we don't have the, the benefit of video here because we both are wearing our comfies. Oh, yes. Um... When you say lay flats, now I believe the American term is actually flat lays. 
Yeah, it doesn't make Which sense. Is stupid. Don't say it that way. Um, but what you're essentially talking about is you'll take like the jewelry, the shoes, the veil, and so on, and you'll arrange them like a product shop for a magazine. Yes. And then photograph them on the floor or on a table or on a surface that looks nice and fits the venue and whatnot. Yeah. That's what you mean. Yeah. Just clarifying that. Sorry. Next That's lens. fine. Yes, absolutely love that. And my next favourite lens, by the way, uh, just on a sign up, the macro, what's the macro? It's the 80mm macro. Yeah. Is um, huge. Very weighty. Oh, yeah. Very, very weighty. It's However, a big boy. It is. It is. Um, however, as with all lenses, I just throw the um, hood away because I don't care. I just chuck it yeah, away and never use mad. it. I can't stand them. They get in my way. Right. Um, it is really, really, really sharp. Yeah. It's so sharp. But it's not just sharp. It's so quick. Yeah. Um, so very, very impressed with that as well. The main problem actually with, with macro lenses and... Do you remember the 100 mil macro? We went to a few, we did, we held a few workshops and there would always be people that are like, oh, I had that lens, but it's really slow. So I, I got rid of it. Um, if you're an owner of a macro lens and you're using it for portraits <laughs> or you're using it for macro and uh, you're finding it to be very slow focusing, take it out of full focus range. Yes. Specify the focus range you want it in. And it will be, I literally had this conversation at one of my last workshops where the guy was like, I used to have the 100 mil macro, but it just spent all of its time seeking. And I was like, I've never had that problem with that lens. And then he said to me, oh yeah, well, you, you've got to have it in full. I was like, no. There's your problem. No, full should be spelled F-O-O-L because you don't need that mode. It should just be, <laughs> they should literally just say macro or portrait. Yeah. But the not only is it it's so, it's so sharp, it's um, so quick. And at 2.8, it completely blurs the shit out of everything. Yeah. Um, more so than the uh, 100mm macro, the Canon one. Um, right. So it's just... I think it renders a lot better than that one. That one That one was a bit... It had quite a jittery background compared to this. Yeah. Yeah, right. this is very smooth. Very, very smooth. So yep. the macro is a lovely little lens. And the other lens I absolutely adore is the 56mm, which is the equivalent to the 85 yep. The 1.2. Holy shit balls. This is so sharp yep. and amazing during ceremonies. It produces absolutely beautiful pictures and it's so freaking tiny. Yeah. Like it's... Do you use the lenses on that? No. Right. I don't use lenses on anything. Come on, you know me by now. You do on the 16 mil. Yeah, because the lens head is cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know what? it's fine. It's square. Just carry on. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I don't use a lens hood on this. Okay, I, I so tuck it in the bag. Okay, so the 56, the 80 mil and the 16 mil. Yeah, those are my three go-to lenses. I love them. So, because I can't take the same ones as you, I'll talk about other ones. Otherwise, this would be quite a boring, dragged out ending. <laughs> uh, my most used lens, as it was with when I was a full frame shooter, it's the 35 mil equivalent. So I've got the 23 mil 1.4. Um, I actually really like the size of this lens. It's a little bit bigger than the 23mm f2, which I prefer. I found the 23mm f2 to be a bit small in mm. hand, um, especially on a gripped body. It just looked a bit stupid. The lens um, is huge on that. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a tiny bit prone to flaring, I would say. Mm. Um, the one thing I will say is that, and I've used a couple of these, the lens hood is not the most perfectly built to fit on the lens. It takes a little bit of negotiating. Um, look, there you go. See how that takes a bit of effort to get that off there. There's one of the many reasons I don't use them. <laughs> Fair play. Um, 
Well, when you see me walk around and, you, and I smack my cameras against people and things, then you'll realise that there's a reason I use Oh, yeah, I've seen you do that many times. It's more for protection than actual <laughs> flaring. Uh, that's a really cool all-purpose lens. That was the main thing. When If I'm going to switch to Fuji or if I'm going to switch to Olympus or if I'm going to switch to Pentax, if I'm going to switch to anything, I have to have a 35mm equivalent, full-frame equivalent, that I don't want to throw off a bridge. And that's really, really it's nice. It's a nice lens. Uh, it's sharp from 1.4. It's a really cool lens. And I heard that this one's... So, by the way, I'm talking about the 23mm 1.4. I've heard that this is uh, loud and slower focusing than the other one. I mean... I, I really get, haven't noticed that. But I get the feeling that people just sit around with, like, little recording devices and make videos and don't actually take pictures. Um, the 35mm 1.4 is quite loud for what it is. Um, it's a bit small for me, and it's a little bit, like, plasticky. Mm. Like, I'd like it to be a bit more robust. This is the one I believe that they're updating. Um, I've, I was told by a, a random Fuji guy that it's going to be a, an F1. So if they bring that out, that'd be really cool. I've not used that one, I don't think. No, so. I don't think you have. Um, but it's it's weird because you were quite a 50 user at full frame, but you've not touched that one. Yeah. Um, the 90mm is probably my favourite portrait lens at the moment. Up there with the macro. The macro is my favourite headshot lens in studio, but the 90mm is my favourite portrait lens. Really nice um, compression. And because I've got a little bit more depth of field than I would do with... Uh, full frame it's actually quite nice it gives quite a lot of context so you can really smush the background into the person but it's still got mm. quite a lot of context um and what's becoming one of my favorite lenses to use um was i actually bought this and thought you'd be mad at me um so the I, i'm gonna say this wrong and you're gonna enjoy this okay <laughs> so i believe it's the zhongyi <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mitocon Speedmaster 35mm f0.95 um, manual focus lens I got it in silver I didn't want it in silver but it was like 200 quid cheaper in silver where I got it so I got it in silver because I'm not stupid um, the focus throw on this is beautiful it's so nice to use manual focus the Fujis are great for um, focus peaking and stuff I actually prefer that to the Sony um, mm. with the Fuji um, and obviously an f0.95 mainly using it at the moment either for candids on the x pro or when i'm done photographing like the wedding breakfast room i then go back through with this and i Very go nice. for like some interesting like real narrow depth of field detail shots as much as i'm trying to get away from doing that stuff like too much of it this just produces really sharp stuff even at 0.95 so um, that's really nice. I just wish it wasn't silver. I probably probably have to get another one that's in black just to. <laughs> Not yet. No, I know. Just to offset. It's just the problem is you have the X Pro and the X Pro is there to kind of let you slip into the background and not be as obvious. And then you've got this heaping silver bastard on the front of the. <laughs> on the front of the. Camera. You don't blend as well. I don't blend as well, and that and the fact that at the last three weddings I've been to, someone's called me a bouncer, which is hurtful. Um, <laughs> I think I think we've covered all bases with. We have, yeah. I think the one thing I I, I sort of touched on, but um, when it came to switching, uh, one thing I will cover really quickly is why I didn't go down the Canon mirrorless route if I was going to go mirrorless. Um, and obviously, there would have been the benefit of just buying an adapter, and I could use all the same lenses and just buy a new camera and go from there. Um, here's a couple of things. Firstly. The cost of the lenses 
for that system and I'd want to go native down the road, the yeah. cost of the lenses for that series is barbaric. It is disgusting, the amount of money that is being charged for those lenses. Oh, really? It is just ridiculous and it it makes, to me, and I'm, I'm a, I loved Canon. I, I love Canon. I still love yeah. so many of their lenses. They, they still have two of my all-time favourite lenses by a mile. Yeah, one of which is sat in the cupboard that you'll we never still get rid have, of. I won't get rid of one of them. It's mm. like like a child to me. The, the problem is it, it makes Canon look like an elitist company where you have to have a huge bank balance and you pretty much have photography as a side hobby between affairs. <laughs> like, it's so expensive. Yeah. That was the first problem. The second problem, I had someone bring one on a workshop and he said he'd worked for Canon. So I'll say he worked for Canon, but I don't You're know not sure. for sure. Um, so whatever. But he had a uh, EOS R and the 50 mil. It was very, very sharp. It was hideously unbalanced. like Yeah, I can imagine actually, yeah. Hideously unbalanced. It was so front heavy. And from... So which 50mm was it? The new one for that camera, oh. which is bigger than anyone you've ever used. Um, So going back to my guitar playing days, like I was a big fan of... I had a Les Paul, which is really arse heavy. So the bit that's... The body is the heavy part. Yeah. Which is quite nice when you go up the neck. It actually that that miss that sort of ill balance works quite nicely for one thing. Yeah. I also had an SG for years. And the SG was so headstock heavy, so poorly balanced, that you'd spend most I'd get knackered playing it on stage because by the second or third song, you've spent 10, 12 minutes fighting to hold it up while you're trying to do what you do, when really you need to just kind of sit there and do what it's told to do. That's what the Canon R felt like with the native lens. It just felt like I wanted to fall forwards the whole oh. time. And it's not a matter of it being too heavy. It's a matter of it being too badly balanced. That's yeah. my main problem. And then the final thing, and I want to end on this. This is the thing I want to end on, and then we can go to bed. <laughs> you can go to bed. I'll stay up and edit. <laughs> the final thing I would say is, is that regardless of whatever dickhead you have listened to on YouTube or on a podcast or in a camera store or who works for Canon, or works for a camera store trying to sell you a Canon, if you are selling a professional camera body, it should have a redundancy option. It should not have one card slot. It's not about elitism. It's mm. not about moaning about a, a pointless feature. I'm not asking for a different codec of 6K or something else that nobody knows how to actually get the most out of. I'm talking about I am a fucking wedding photographer and in the last seven years, I have had, I think it's nine cards fail. I have had two this year, both in a Canon. Mm -hmm. And when one card fails and you don't have another one and you're going, oh, but it's got excellent live view options <laughs> and uh, I can just adapt all of my EF. They don't care. They want their photos. And if you are a professional 
industry working person and your photos are the thing that make you your money, not you selling Squarespace or selling some bullshit, you need a redundancy option. Yeah. And if there is people out there who are comfortable shooting weddings with only one card slot, Lord help me, an SD card slot, only one, and it's an SD one, if that's what they're happy with, then full power to them. Mm. I know someone who recently said that they are happy with it and what they do is halfway through the day, they back up what's on that card onto a laptop and then change cards. Glorious. I've had a card die mid-ceremony. Yeah. Best of luck. Uh It's it's all fine. This is the thing. Hmm. It's all fine until it isn't. Yeah. And then you can take your clients say from weddings or from whatever, and you can sit down with them at their house and you can put on YouTube and you can show them Jared Poland talking about how it doesn't matter about two card slots. And I'm sure they'll go, oh, gee, Mr. Photographer, thanks so much for showing me the light. I thought I cared that I lost half my wedding, but now I see that I apparently don't because some guy who's making money out of saying a thing has said a thing. Yeah. That's all I want to say is that if Canon had brought out a viable option, an actual legitimate option for me to switch to, I would have stayed with Canon. But they are almost definitely about to enter their last DSLR cycle. They will bring out a 5D Mark V. I have no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. They will bring out, I believe they've announced, a 1DX Mark III. Yeah. Great. And in five years after they've come out, I think they will have withered the lineup of lenses that go onto that camera and they will just be pushing consumer-level cameras and consumer-level things for mirrorless. Yeah. One issue I find with a lot of photographers, and it's not me saying that you are a bad person for not knowing this, it's that you will benefit greatly from knowing this. Nikon and Canon don't make the lion's share of their money from consumer-level electronics. So do not assume that, well, they'd have to keep up with the, the, the cycle of things because otherwise how else would they make their money? I can't give you a percentage, but I can tell you right now that Nikon are making hand over fist more money on medical glass Mm. than they are on shitty consumer electricals. So if you think that it's just a never-ending, great, constant train of there's always going to be another thing, there's always going to be an improvement, there's always going to be the next thing, I don't think there will be. I may just be lucky enough to be old enough to remember companies that have gone bust when they seemed invincible. Yeah. So when you're booking your Thomas Cook holiday after having just watched Berry FC play in the Football League and you realise that some things aren't forever, get a camera with a second fucking card slot. <laughs> I love you all for listening to this dribble. Jamila, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Welcome, baby. Thank you. Thank you to everybody. Mm-hmm.